The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. So I'm going to get started. Uh, again, if I hadn't met you, my name's Spencer, and hopefully we get a chance to hang out some this week. That'd be awesome. Um, so this topic is a, a pretty weighty one to jump right into at 745 on a Tuesday morning. Um, but y'all know this, and, you, and you're here because every one of us as youth ministers are dealing with this, uh, with the problem of pornography um, in our churches, in our youth groups. So... Let me pray for us, and we'll, uh, we'll jump right in. Jesus, thanks for these men and women who are uh, committed to laboring in the gospel, God. I, I thank you for the churches they represent, for the, the local body of believers that they, these guys work with. And, uh, Lord, I pray that today as we look at your word, uh, God, that you would guard what I say and let it be from your spirit and from your scripture. I pray that you guard uh, the way these guys listen, and I pray that they would be able to put this in the context of their own local church and, and just minister in this area. God, I pray that we would look to you more than strategy uh, for our hope. And, uh, and we love you and need you in this. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So uh, the problem of porn is so, so destructive. Y'all know this. Uh, you know, working at camp, it's almost like we see an exaggerated version of this, but it's not exaggerated. We just see uh, a great volume of people that come through. Y'all know we, we see like 9,000 people come through here every year from about 400 different churches. So we hear heartbreaking stories every week. Uh, every week we're talking to folks whose marriages have been wrecked by porn, uh, whose, whose families are dealing with this. It's such a destructive problem. And y'all have seen the destruction firsthand in your own ministries. But the um, to me, one of the most dangerous things about porn is that not only is it so destructive, but it's so common. So it's easy to take it lightly. We see it destroy families, but we see it destroy families like every week. So it's, uh, it's just something everybody deals with. But we know that this is, this is such a huge issue. Um, I, y'all don't need any reminder of the stats, but just to set the stage, I want to show a few stats uh, just for porn use. This is going to start out with child stats. And it's going to progress to adult stats. Average age a child first sees internet porn is 11. 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to, the internet, to internet porn by 18. 67% of children, those under 18, admit to clearing their history to hide online activity. 79% of accidental exposures to internet porn among kids take place in the home. Only 3% of porn websites require age verification. Now pause for a second. Y'all know that most people aren't accessing porn via porn websites anymore. You know, it's not, other than Pornhub, there's, uh, people are accessing porn via social media, uh, via phone-to-phone communication. So these stats are a little bit skewed because you realize, uh, yeah, only 3% of porn websites require age verification, but what about Snapchat? But what about this? What about that? So next, um, porn sites, even though folks don't access their porn through there, uh, they get more visitors every month than Netflix and Amazon and Twitter combined. That one's mind-blowing when you realize most folks aren't accessing it this way. 
University of Montreal tried to do a study on porn use in men. Simon Lajeunet was the leader of the study. He said, we started our research seeking men in their 20s who had never consumed porn, but we had to stop because we couldn't find any. <laughs> couldn't find a guy in his 20s who had not uh, looked at porn. Uh, last stat, 68% of men, and this is adults here, 68% of men and 18% of women view porn at least one time per week. Now, as we read these stats, you should know there is virtually zero difference between churched and non-churched men and women. And these stats, this one in particular is dated, is from 2014. So we believe those stats have bumped up, particularly on the women's side, a good bit. But again, there's some of these stats, there's a, a, about a 2% variation between churched and non-churched. So 68% of men in our churches uh, and 18% of women in our churches view porn at least one time per week. An additional 17% of men and 30% of women View porn at least one to two times per month. That means, if you take the two together, 85% of men view porn at least twice a month. Ouch. It, you know, stats have the ability to kind of bypass our grasp a lot of times unless we can put it in a visual. So if you're to take this room and slice out 85%, you got about this percentage of folks right here that are not viewing porn twice per month. The majority of our churches are viewing porn twice per month. It's, just, it's crazy. It's so common, and it's so destructive. So the question is, why is there not more difference between men and women in the church and men and women outside the church? Because the spirit is transformative. The gospel is transformative. The Lord changes lives. But why aren't we seeing change? Why, why are we hardly any different from non-believers? Now, we preach to non-believers, and of course they're going to be like, okay, why wouldn't I want to watch folks have sex? Why wouldn't I want to look at sexual images? But for believers, you know, you have some kids in your youth group that are tormented by this issue, that are really fighting against it and are just beat down by this. You have some kids in your youth group that are justifying the issue. Why shouldn't we sin more so grace could abound? We have some kids that are victorious. There are very few. Now we'll look at what does victory look like in this area? You know, because it's not a clean, perfect slate. Um, what, what does victory look at? So what I want to do in this breakout, I want to look at three different areas. And then we're going to drill down into the details a little bit. But i got to move fast. So three different areas. Uh, I'm just going to list them now and we'll go into detail. Number one, if you're not already, you should be addressing the issue of porn in your youth group. You should be addressing the issue of porn in your youth group. Number two, if you are addressing the issue, the question is, why isn't it working? Why aren't we seeing more difference? Now, for some, and for some churches, and for some ministries, and some individuals, absolutely it is working. But stats will say in general, it's not. We're we're not a lot different. Um, And we'll define working in a minute. Number three, how then can we address the issue of porn with students and with their parents? And there's a lot of complexities that come with this when you talk about how we're going to address the issue of porn with parents who are non-believers and some parents who are believers and a lot of complexities there. So I want to jump right in to number one. Number one, if you're not already in your youth group, you should be addressing the issue of porn. Please do. The average age a kid sees porn is 11. All of us have kids over 11 in our youth groups, right? So you heard the stats. They're not other people. There are churches. In our churches, 85% of people are viewing porn one to two times per month if stats hold true. And the reality is, if we don't address the issue, who's going to? What percentage? Think about your youth group parents. What percentage of your parents do you think are talking to their kids about porn? Now think about this. What percentage of your parents do you think are doing a great job with that? 
what percentage of your parents do you think are having Christ-centered, um, Holy Spirit-empowered, hope-giving talks with their kids about porn? 5% of your parents? Three? It's very few, so if we're not addressing the issue, even with our strongest families in the youth group, who, who's going to be addressing that issue? If you're not already, you need to be. Point number two, we are addressing the issue, and this is for most of us. Yeah, we're addressing the issue. Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working when we're preaching? I think for a lot of us, and this is for me included, for a lot of us, when it comes to the issue of porn, we are skimming the surface. We're not getting down deep to the root. We often are preaching to the problem when we should be preaching to the heart. We're preaching to the issue. We're preaching about the issue, but we're not preaching to the heart and about the heart. We see a problem and we prescribe a strategy really quick. The issue is we're not seeing deeply to the real problem. We're seeing symptoms. If you're here last year, uh, I taught one on on how to uh, teach the Bible to students. And what I talked about in teaching was we must teach, we must preach Christ. Because if we don't preach Christ, we're in danger of addressing symptoms with moral prescriptions rather than seeing and exposing the deep problems and offering the only deep cure, which is Christ, the only hope, which is Christ. We must preach to the heart, which means we have to see deeply past these surface level symptoms. Porn is a symptom, right? So if we're preaching, If we're addressing symptoms with moral prescriptions, it's going to look like this. And sometimes you wish it would be this simple. You want to say to your youth group, all right, y'all are looking at porn. Symptom. Quit it. I'm out. (laughs) And for some guys, really, they need to hear that, right? Hey, you need to knock it off. You need to quit it. Some guys just need to, oh, yep, you're right. But if we just preach essentially that message, y'all are doing bad, do better, We're preaching moralism a lot of times without getting to the depth of the problem. The problem's interior. So an exterior solution is not going to fix it. And we look at a symptom, which is porn. We slap on a moral prescription, which is quit it. When we ignore the deep problem, which is sin and misplaced longings, misplaced satisfaction, and we don't get to the deep cure, which is Christ and walking in the spirit. And if we're not careful, we can can preach moral issues, even in the scriptures, where we say things like, hey, Joseph... He resisted temptation. You need to do the same thing. You know, David faces giants. You you can do it. Israel, they screwed up a lot. You can do better. And we'll preach do better, do better, do better when we should be preaching Christ is better. Christ is better. So preach Christ. Here's the deal. We preach Christ as primary and strategy as secondary. That's key. We preach Christ as primary and strategy as secondary because you can't keep up with strategy. You just can't. New avenues of porn are popping up every day. You can't keep up strategy-wise. You can't draw someone directions. I heard a a guy named Paul Tripp. Y'all know him. Um, He gave this illustration I thought was great. He talked about, um, is there anybody in here who this is your first time to camp? Okay, great, 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 great. So if I were to say to you, hey, can you drive to the grocery store and get me this or that? Now, Andrew's is very easy um, because it is a road, (laughs) basically. Um, But... If I were to say, can you drive to the grocery store, most people would be like, "Uh, maybe. I can probably find my way there. But here's what we do with first-time staff members. We give them directions from camp to grocery store and back. And that's great if their starting point is always camp and their ending point is always grocery store. Let's say I start them off at my house. It's only two added turns, but they're lost, right? You give somebody directions from point A to point B, that's all they can do. 
But imagine, I've lived here for 18 years. Imagine if I could take the map of Andrews that's in my head with all the side streets, all the shortcuts, all the neighborhoods. And if I could take that and implant it in your head, then you could get to the grocery store from anywhere. You could find your way there from anywhere. You see where I'm going with this? When we preach strategy, you can't keep up. You can't just give kids directions. All right, here's how to beat porn. You go from point A to point B here. Well, that sort of strategy, you can't keep up. What if they bring up a different sort of of problem? What about homosexual porn? What about um, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend? What about this? You can't keep up with strategy from everywhere. You have to teach them how to walk in the spirit. You have to preach Christ. You have to zoom out and and preach about the, the beauty of Christ, the ugliness of sin, holiness in general in the life of believer, saying no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. This isn't a strategy level issue. It's an issue of the gospel changing hearts. It's not you did more, it's Christ did more. So unless our teaching takes things beyond application, beyond the practical to the cross, we're going to fall short. We're going to come back to this a little more in a, in a minute to define kind of how do we get to the root. But I think most of the time this is why it's not working. We're just preaching to the problem. Now, when we talk about why it's not working, you know, when we talk about a student who's walking in victory, we're not going to mean a student who's never tempted. We're definitely not going to mean a student that never falls. For a lot of students, fighting is winning. That's just it. Fighting is winning. You're fighting, you're good. Keep it up. Keep it up. Fighting is winning. So uh, working doesn't mean free from temptation. Uh, a, a person, a student who's walking in victory is still being tempted, still struggling, always fighting, always looking at Jesus, always hoping in the victory that the Spirit provides. So we'll come back to the heart. Number three, how should we address this issue? If we're wanting to preach to the heart, how do we address this issue with parents and students? This is where it gets complex. Uh, before I jump into parents and students, I want to say, on the issue of porn, y'all as youth pastors, uh, there are some senior pastors in the room. As youth pastors, collaborate with your senior pastor on this issue. Because porn is a church-wide issue. It's not a teenage issue, right? 85% of grown folks are looking at porn twice a month, right? So how is your pastor handling this? How are you as a church handling this issue? How are you preaching Christ? Collaborate with your pastor so that when you get an angry parent that's like, Hey, he said masturbation in a session. The pastor would be like, oh, absolutely. And I'm going to say it this Sunday. Collaborate with your pastor (laughs) so that you're on the same page so that you're working together as a team. Your pastor will have your back. You'll have the pastor's back. Work together as a team. So how do you address the issue of porn with parents? With parents. Let's start there. How do you address the issue of porn with parents? You have a wide range of parents, right? You got parents that might, might be introducing porn to their kids to parents that are like, oh, my 17-year-old baby, he don't, he don't know what porn is. He don't. He's got the purest little heart. Bull crap. <laughs> no, he don't. Your sweet baby's looking at porn in the basement. So you got a wide range. So let me give you a couple things before you preach on porn. Before you preach on porn, uh, prep the parents. If you want to step into a hornet's nest, start talking about these issues without prepping the parents. You're going to get a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls. So first, prep the parents. So number one, tell them what you're going to tell their kids. Tell tell parents what you're going to tell their kids. Talk about terms. Tell them exactly what you're going to tell their kids. Talk about the heart. Talk about how you're going to emphasize grace in this. 
Tell them what exactly you're going to tell their kids. Second point. We have five points for talking to parents. Second point. Tell them why you're going to tell their, their, their kids this. Why are you going to tell their kids this? This is where porn stats are effective. They're not particularly effective for students. No student is going to see porn sites get more visitors than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter and be like, dear Jesus, I'm done. You know, they're going to be like, huh, that's not going to stop anybody, right? But for parents, it may be eye-opening and be like, oh, my gosh. So sometimes these uh, stats are effective for parents. So tell them why you're going to tell their students. The average age of kid uh, accesses porn is 11. Ask the parents, how many of y'all have kids over 11? How many of you in your youth groups have people over 11? Everybody. So what percentage chance are there kids in your youth group looking at porn? 100%. Almost, statistically, almost every kid in our youth group has seen or is seeing porn on a regular basis. Statistically. You would have to have a very large youth group statistically to have one kid that's not. And here's what's interesting. Here's another thing you can tell the parents on why you're going to tell the kids this. What's interesting is there's a Swiss study done a year ago that says that 40% of parents incorrectly believe that their kids haven't been exposed to porn. What that means is 93% of kids have seen it, but only 60% of parents believe it's possible. Isn't crazy? Parents are oblivious to it. They think, oh, yeah, other people's kids, but not my baby. Yes, your baby. Because remember, the people that are oblivious are in that 85% of people that are viewing porn one to two times per month. That's crazy. Oh, I'm looking at it, but I'm, they don't even know what it is yet. They do. So tell them why you're going to tell them. Because it is a huge problem, and parents in general, in general, a lot of parents uh, believe it's impossible. So... Prep the parents. Number one, tell them what you're going to tell them. Number two, tell them why you're going to tell them. Number three, talk about the heart. Talk about the heart versus roadblocks. Because if you have believing parents in your youth group, when you tell them that their kids are looking at porn, when you tell them statistically that their kids are looking at porn, believing parents are going to attack. But do you know where they're going to attack? Technology. That's where they're going. Believing parents, they want to do something about the issue. And they're like, oh, no. Well, I got to help them out. I'll tell you how I'm going to help out. I'm going to put some roadblocks in place. I'm going to put some measures in place to ensure that they won't be able to do that. I'm going to help them out. And this is great. But what parents want and the reality are totally different. All right, so I'm going to show a couple of videos that show, man, a parent gets covenant eyes for their kid or a parent gets ad blocker plus for their kid. They get a program for their kid. And here's what they expect as far as roadblocks goes. All right. So we got two different videos showing the expectations versus the reality. So kids looking at porn here, parent puts up a roadblock and says, no more porn. Here's what they're expecting. Boom. Crash and burn. No more porn. I'm out. You're good to college. Now here's the reality. All right. They put in this, uh, this roadblock. We're following this car right here. All right. So look at all the cars stopped on the left. This car sees a roadblock. See ya. Boom. You know who roadblocks stop? People who want to stop. People who want to follow the rules. You think that your kid can't get around an ad blocker? You think your kid can't get around covenant eyes? You can't keep up with technology. All right, parents, 
you got an ad blocker in. What, what's your solution for Hey Siri? What's your solution for Alexa? What's your solution for Snapchat? What's your solution for the girl at school who's sending pictures? What's your solution for all that? The, the reality is this is not a technology-level problem. It's a heart-level problem. So when you're talking to parents, explain that. We're not going to attack and have victory on tech or strategy. We need to get deeper to the root because a kid that wants to view it is going to bypass those roadblocks. They're going to be suggestions. Now, roadblocks are crucial for kids that want to walk in the Spirit. They're crucial. They're, they keep kids who really want to walk in, in Christ, they keep a kid out of there. Accountability keeps a kid out of there. But that's only if their heart wants to, right? So for parents, of course, we need to speak metaphorically and say, man, you got to keep the junk food off the low shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Don't make it easy for them and provide good meals for them. You know, provide the good and, and hold back the bad. But if a kid, if their heart hasn't been changed, they're going to find a way around that and access it anyway. So, uh, so teach them about the heart and teach them about roadblocks. Number four, teach parents, and this seems like pie in the sky kind of thinking like, oh, yeah, man, I wish I had a parent who would have a conversation with their kids. Teach parents how to have two kinds of conversation with their kids. Teach them how to have proactive conversations with their kids about porn. This means pre-porn conversations. This means the only, their conversations about sex with their kids, it can't just be limited to that one birds and bees conversation they had when the kid was eight. They need to be having proactive conversations about sex. You realize if you have believing parents, they can minister, obviously, they can minister to their kids in a way that you never could. They're going to sit around one night watching a movie and a sex scene's going to come on and their actions are going to preach. Their kids are watching. Are we going to watch this? We're just going to watch this happen? Or if their parents turn it off, man, what a sermon that preaches. But imagine if the parents turned it off and had a proactive conversation that said, now we're not going to watch this and let me, let me explain why. Can you imagine how far that would go? Because then when a kid's on the internet and an image pops up, the kid would be able to turn it off and explain to himself why. Because it's been exampled. So teach parents to have proactive conversations. They're in the best possible scenario to do this. Take the time. Teach parents how to preach Christ in deep hope for the issue. Realizing, as our friend Jeff Martin says, that dependency trumps strategy. Dependency trumps strategy. All right, number five. So teach them, the second kind of conversation we need to teach parents how to have, teach them how to have reactive conversations. Teach parents how to respond when they catch their kids looking at porn. Teach them how to have reactive conversations. Teach them to listen patiently. Teach them to understand the situation precisely. How many times, what sort of porn, what context, what venue. Teach them about correction versus punishment. Teach them how to do a heart evaluation on their kid. Teach them how to tell their child, I've got your back. You're still my kid. You still belong. They're not pushing away their kid. They're not condemning their kid. Teach parents to load up some grace because it's going to happen again. And then again, and it's going to happen again, and they're going to have to love like Christ loves. Some final parent thoughts. Some people I know are thinking, dude, it'd be great if I had one parent in my youth group that would do this. Yeah, you're right. It would be. It would be great. And, and if we had parents that did this, you all would be out of a job. <laughs> right? If all parents were discipling their kids in the home, then you would be a church member somewhere. And that would be awesome. The reality is <clears throat> you don't have a lot of parents that do this. Maybe you collaborating with the pastor, maybe you can shepherd some parents into this. Maybe you can. 
That's the hope. We know that we do have a wide range of parents, and you're going to have to think about those complexities as you minister. Now, as we talk about how to teach our students about porn, how to teach our students about porn, we have taught a billion different breakouts on this. Please go back and access those. But what I want to talk about is we, we do need to talk about things like accountability. We do. We do need to talk about accountability, but we can't stop there, right? Because most accountability looks like one 15-year-old kid confessing to another 15-year-old kid. Hey, man, did you look at porn this week? Uh-huh. Did you? Mm-hmm. All right, let's do better next week. All right. All right, see you next week. And next week, hey, man, did you look at porn this week? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we got to teach about accountability because this really does keep believing kids who want to be free. This does keep them from looking. They realize, oh, man, I've, I, I, I've got to tell this guy. So we do need to preach accountability, but we do need to go beyond it. This is a traffic cone. It'll stop the kids that want to stop. We do need to talk about accessibility. We do need to talk about technology. We do need to talk about putting in roadblocks. We have multiple breakouts that talk about digital blockers and taking things to the Stone Age and avoid what you can, resist what you can't, and fill your mind with Scripture. But these things are talking about symptoms. These things are talking about branches. We need to get to the root because this is not a strategy or a tech-level problem or even a knowledge-level problem. This is a heart-level problem. Right? We're going to talk about roadblocks when we talk to students, but we have to get to the root. When we talk about the root, we're talking about desires. Right? Does a student want to be free from this, or do they want to coexist with this? When we talk about desires, this isn't something that you can cook up on your own. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is changing our desires, right? So a believing kid is going to start to have his heart renewed, especially if they're in the Scripture. They're going to start to have their heart renewed to where they start wanting what Christ wants, to where they're not going to want to coexist with this, or they're not going to want to manage it. But when we get to a student, we got to ask, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free to the point where you're willing to do whatever it takes to be free? Because the Spirit, when we talk about Galatians chapter 5, we talk about Ephesians chapter 4, we talk about Romans chapter 6, there's power to fight sin. There's power. Romans chapter 6, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That is reality from the Scripture. Look at what he says. One who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. There's our hope. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Preach this to students. Let not sin therefore... What's the therefore, therefore? In light of what he just said, death has no dominion over Christ. So therefore, in light of that, in light of the fact that Christ lives inside of you, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let it be king. Don't let it snap and you say, yes, sir. Don't let sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law but under grace. You don't have to be enslaved to this. Death has no dominion over Christ. 
Sin has no dominion over you. Students hear that, but in reality, a lot of them don't want to be free. If you limit access from porn without addressing the heart, a lot of times we're creating dry drunks. You know, you take a drunk, you lock him up in jail. We've limited access. But when he comes out of jail, you know what he's going to do? If the problem, if the root of the issue hasn't been solved, he's going right back to the bottle. If we limit access, but we don't get to the root of the issue, we have a dry drunk in our youth group who's yearning for this, whose desire is for porn, not for Christ. So our desires have to change. This is the root that we need real heart and desire change that only comes from the Holy Spirit, that only comes from Christ. Ephesians 4 talks about this. It says, um, That's not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, we preach this a lot, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the way we preach it a lot. Put off the old and put on the new, but we forget the phrase that pays in the middle which is, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, in the bent of your minds, in your mindset, in the way that you think, to put off the old and put on the new. Something's got to change in our minds and our desires, and that only happens through the spirit. That only happens through the spirit. So think back to the map illustration. We're teaching a kid how to walk in Christ, how to pursue the Lord, how to get to the root, which is his desires that are messed up. This is not a tech-level problem. So when we, want, when we start wanting to do what the Scripture wants us to do, our minds are starting to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. So running out of time, let me highlight, without going into, just write down these, these verses. Uh, let me highlight a couple things that you must talk about when you're talking about porn. Um, four things. First thing we got to talk about godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Everybody's sorry they got caught, right? Um, 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. What are you sorry about? Consequence of getting caught, loss of trust, loss of freedom, loss of family, or relationship with God. Godly grief produces repentance. So preach godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Number two, Preach not just confessing sin, but forsaking it. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will, will obtain mercy. Many confess, few forsake. You must put off the old. We must be renewed in the spirit of our minds, but we're still called to put off the old. There's a difference. We hear students all the time that are like, man, I'm struggling with porn. And I always ask, are you really? Or are you just looking at porn? There's a difference between struggling, between fighting, and just looking at it. Put off the old. Are you fighting to put off the old? And when you're when you talk about uh, not just confessing but forsaking, is your forsaking short term and rewards based? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this so I can get access to my laptop again, or is it long term and Christ centered? Remember, for a lot of students, fighting is winning. Number three, the third thing that I think is the most important thing we need to preach when we preach on porn is we need to preach hope. We need to preach hope in Christ, hope in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, paint them a picture. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That is terrible news because everybody's in that. Everybody's out on the first one, neither the sexually immoral. Are you past puberty? You're out. (laughs) 
neither the sexually immoral, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God, but then preach the hope of verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Preach hope to them. Such were some of you. Porn is not your identity anymore. Christ is. So from that identity, look to Jesus. Have your mind renewed by looking at the scripture. Don't get a strategy from point A to point B, but have your mind transformed by Christ so you can find your way wherever you are. Jesus died to forgive you for and set you free from porn. It's not just forgiveness in the past and heaven in the future. There's a now aspect too. So when we preach, preach forgiveness for sure. Preach to them how, man, our sins are east to west. They're under the ocean. They're underfoot. They're gone. They're disappeared like a mist. Preach all those verses. Like we're, we are forgiven. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. But then preach verses that say we're transformed as well. And then paint them a picture of how transformation is going to look. Because a lot of times we ask and believe with forgiveness. But then we expect the transformation's all up to us. When the transformation is the power of the spirit as well. Final thing. The fourth thing is when we preach about porn, don't just preach about porn. Preach the whole council. Preach the whole council. Preach about Christ. Remember, we don't just limit the access to junk food. We give them healthy, good food as well. Uh, I won't go into this, but Thomas Chalmers wrote an essay called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection, and I love it. Even the title is thick. (laughs) The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Expulsive is like a power to be able to push out. The expulsive power of a new affection. John Piper talks about this when he says uh, he deals with a lot of guys who are uh, dealing with the issue of porn and sexual uh, sin. And and he gives the illustration, what if you're talking to a guy and he's like, man, I I can't stop sleeping with my girlfriend. I just can't. You want to get in the moment and there is nothing I can do to stop. And he says, okay, well, imagine this. Imagine you're in a tent with your girlfriend and a grizzly bear comes up. Can you stop now? Yes, I can. Because you had a stronger desire that pushed out that weaker desire. Your desire to live pushed out that desire to get with that girl. And that's what Thomas Chalmers is talking about here, the expulsive power of a new affection. You need a new, stronger desire for Christ that's stronger than your weak desire to look at images of sex on the screen. You need a stronger desire. So preach the goodness of Christ, not just the badness of porn. Preach about the goodness of sex. Watch out, this is sacred ground. It's not dirty ground, it's sacred ground. Preach about the goodness of sex. Focus on the big picture, developing students who study the word of God, whose minds are being renewed so that they're walking in the spirit day by day. Focus on the big picture and then zoom in as necessary. If you only give them porn fighting directions without a love for Christ, a dependency on the spirit, a Christ-centered identity, they'll be back in your office again and again and again. Bring it back to the gospel, back to grace. Teach them that your victory won't come from your discipline alone. It won't come without your, your discipline, but it won't come from discipline alone. The last thing I'll say, and we'll be done. I have to say this because statistically, many of you are struggling with porn as well. Statistically. And I say to you, brothers and sisters, fight. Fight for purity. Fight for holiness. Statistically, many of you are struggling with this as well. And... and your purity matters. Your holiness matters. I'm not talking about for ministry's sake. I'm not talking about student's sake. I'm talking about relationship with Christ's sake. Your purity matters. And students will see you fight for purity. They'll see you fight for holiness, and they'll catch that good infection. Don't let them catch a good infection for Georgia football instead. 
Let them see a passion for holiness in you. You don't have to pull out all the nastiness from your past. They can see you fight for holiness today. They can see you turn off that song on the radio. Let them see you fight for holiness. But we do this for our relationship with Christ first. So make sure we're personally demonstrating and exampling dependence on God. So preach an example, love, forgiveness, grace, hope, toughness, discipline, and the body of Christ. I'm going to close this. I'm going to pray. This is a conversation we can continue this week, though, and should. I mean, there's youth pastors around you, and, and I, would, I would encourage you to network while you're here. The funny thing about being at camp is that I know so many of y'all, but y'all don't know each other. And there's some good folks in this room, man. Y'all should get to know each other and talk about, man, how do you preach on this issue? Because there are solid people in this room you need to network with. So please do that and love to continue this conversation this week. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thanks for these men and women. And God, I pray that you would give them and me a passion for you. God, I pray that we would have a passion for holiness. God, I pray that in the areas of fighting sin, that we would not look to works, we'd look to fruit that we'd walk in the Spirit rather than walking in our own works, God. I pray that we'd example and live this first and that we preach it to students, that we preach it to parents. God, I thank you for these men and women who are laboring week in, week out, uh, dealing with tough family situations, tough teenage situations, tough personal situations, God. And I pray that this week will be a catalyst for real change. And, uh, and Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.